All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's leaving. To the line, Hughes scores! Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Quadrelli, and I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Absolutely good to be here. I'm glad to see that you didn't bring your clarinet to intro us in. It's nice to just do the regular intro instead of hearing that abomination. 
What? My clarinet playing is great. That's the second time you've roasted me. Back-to-back weeks. I might have to cut this one out, too. The song that you want to <laughs> do is Hot Cross Buns. It's not that it's impressive. It's a classic. It's but a classic. Actually, I was somewhat impressed uh, for people who are not on the Patreon. On the Patreon, you did a five-minute one. And you yeah. did you did the Star Wars theme. That was, that was fine. I was fine with that. In all seriousness, I'm not a very good clarinet player, but I do enjoy playing the clarinet. So you can subscribe to the Canucks Combo Patreon if you want to hear clarinet playing. But we do a lot more than that, too, on there. It's really, really good stuff on there. Uh, but we should get into kind of what this episode is going to be about. We have two huge guests on this episode. We brought Kevin Woodley on to talk about Braden Holpe, a guy who he has a pretty good relationship with. He had a lot of insight on Braden Holpe, the newest member of your Vancouver Canucks. And we're going to talk about Oliver Ekman Larson a little bit, but... After that, we're going to have Jacob Truscott, the Canucks' fifth-round pick in the draft. Which I messed up in the interview. I was looking at him being the 144th well, pick, and I said fourth-round draft pick. And maybe that was just nice for him. He was excited. He didn't care. He didn't correct yeah. me on it. He, he was fine with it. But he was yes. like, all right, I'm a fourth-round draft pick now. Let's just, you know, revisionist history. If enough people say it, it has to be true. Absolutely. So the four screwed me up there. <laughs> I, he's a fifth-round pick. Jackson Coons was the, was the fourth-round pick. But... That conversation was so much fun. Oh We're going to get to it later. We're going to uh, discuss the news of the day first, then get to Kevin Woodley to get his breakdown of the yep. goalie situation. Uh, but after that, then we'll get into the conversation with Jake. Awesome kid. Such a good conversation. Yeah, with that so kid. nice and so so articulate, right? Like yeah. really had a lot to say and was really good. I really enjoyed that conversation. But let's let's hop into it, Chris. So what time did you wake up this morning? Um, 6 a.m. Okay, that is... Three hours earlier than I did. I woke up at like... Wow, that's good for you. I know. Well, I had work to do man duty calls. Mm -hmm. I woke up at like 8.50, I want to say. And I was watching the the Twitters. And, you know, I'm used to Canucks free agency, you know, July 1st. It's like right right away. It's like Gagne, uh, Roussel, Beagle, Altavan, or Delzato. Like that's what I'm used to. Like right at 9, it's like who did the Canucks throw money at this time that they probably shouldn't have? And today, I didn't get that. We were waiting, we were waiting, and then it came out. Braden Holtby is the newest member of the Vancouver Canucks. But before that, the deadline we were all looking for at 9 a.m., the reason I set the alarm for 8.50 was because OEL's deadline was that time. And his agent, Kevin Epp, told Rick Dollywall of TSN 1040, he is staying at 9.01. I can't believe you have an alarm for 8.50. That's like... I've shown you my phone, my alarms. Like, I have an alarm for every second of the I day. wish I could sleep like you, first of all. But, yeah, let's get to the OEL stuff. The stuff I reported on it the night before. The stuff that I was hearing was that offers were being made late into last night, which was, sorry, on Thursday night. Things were being made late into Thursday night. The offer that I was hearing was that the Canucks were going to give in something like Cole Lind, a second-round pick, a bottom-six player potentially of Brandon Sutter or Jake Rutanen, potentially both. And that was going to be the deal moving across. Yep. Nothing happened. We heard that early in the morning, I guess before the 9 a.m. deadline, heard Rick Dollywall talking about this on TSN 1040, that a final offer on top of the one that they put in on Thursday night was made Friday before the 9 a.m. deadline. And Jim Benning talked about it in his presser. It just, it wasn't enough for the Arizona Coyotes. And I, it was kind of funny hearing Benning talk about it because he was just like, uh, I can't tell you if it was a fair offer or what we thought about the offer. If it was good enough, you would have to ask them because we made our final offer and apparently it wasn't good enough. So yeah, um, yeah, they, you know, they were on this trade. I, I'd like honestly Thursday night when things started cranking up, and mm-hmm. I think the offers did get raised when a higher draft pick got thrown into it because they weren't going to do Hoglander, Pod Colson, or Demko. I thought it was actually getting a lot closer than than I thought over the past couple days. And hearing that they went even further on Friday morning. 
I wonder how high they actually went. Like, I wonder they weren't going to give up Hoglander, they weren't going to give up Pod Coles, and they weren't going to give up Demko. Those were the three prospects or Rathbone. that Arizona was asking for. Rathbone too. They were asking. Yep, they were asking for Rathbone, and Benning said no. Interesting. So it's interesting that I didn't know that he said no on Rathbone, but um, yeah, the the prospect I heard was Cole Lind, um, and that was you know that's a big, pretty big ask, and I heard that because it wasn't going to be Hoglander, Pod Coles, or Demko is going to be a first round pick uh, in the twenty twenty one draft. So. You know, good on good on Jim for standing pat. You know, yeah. it, it's taken six off seasons now, but I think that we've seen a little bit this year. He he did a similar thing with Jacob Marshall, and we'll get to that. Yeah, um, yep. But you know what? Just looking at it, seeing that the trade didn't happen for OEL, like it's just not, it's a big sigh of relief. I think for all of Canucks Twitter because it was a, it was madness for a while. Oh, and I yeah. might have stirred it up a little bit on Thursday night. I was just saying what I heard. I yeah, had multiple yeah. different <laughs> sources. Had an event that happened last night at about eight thirty. Yep, that kind of put me over the edge. Said, "Okay, I got to report this." Um, and put all the information that I got. I had a good day on Thursday talking to people, talking to agents, talking to prospects, talking to a lot of people. Thursday was a fun day. I, I told myself I was going to do an all content day. Made it happen. Watched a ton of video. Talked to a lot of people. We have another big guest actually coming on the show next week as well, which we're not going to announce. Nope, we don't say that. We don't say that Just until saying. it's done. But we I, do have a big guest. It's a big one next week. It is. It is a big one, but we don't say anything. A big. Yeah, we don't say anything until interviews are done. Rest okay. in peace, Rafi Torres. Everybody knows that story by now. Yeah. If you don't, Rafi Torres was supposed to come on the podcast. We promoted, and then he's like, yeah, I can't do the podcast. We're like, okay, thanks, Rafi. And then it was over. Haven't reached out since. <laughs> But anyways, the OEL deal is over. Um, for, from you looking at it, was it nice to see the 9 a.m. come and just forget about this for a little bit? Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when you find out that it was either going to be Hoglander or Pud Colton or Rathbone or Demko going. Like, could, okay, let's let's just imagine a nightmare scenario where they do give up Demko because it sounds like that was the player Arizona was most hungry for. Like, that's who they wanted to go after. So let's go through a little nightmare scenario here. So they give up Demko, okay? They get OEL. And then it's like, all right, well, we have Braden Holtby now. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to sign a backup anyway. So then they just have to sign up, sign two different free agent goaltenders. Like that would be, that would be a disaster. So I'm glad they didn't give up Demko first of all. And then Hoglander and Pod Colson. It was funny because I saw a lot of Canucks fans. Like there's the how many goals crowd with Pod Colson. You know who that's, you are. That's just basketball, Phil. I'll call him straight out by there's name. There's more. There's oh, true. definitely it's mostly more. basketball, Phil. It I've, is. I've had I, it up to here with him. I, I love basketball, Phil. Every time I he, too, but every I've time had he it up tweets, to here. every time he tweets how many goals he scored, I always like it. I love it. I find it so funny. But anyways, I'm, I'm anyways, running out of embarrassing basketball gifts to reply to him with. There is the you know there's the how many goals crowd with Pod Colson that was like oh yeah don't give up Hoglander, but yeah, just give the, give up Pod Colson. And then there was the other crowd that was like, well, Pod Colson's a top pick. Hoglander's a second pick, second round pick. So they were like, oh yeah, keep Pod Colson, but yeah, feel free to give up Hoglander. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't want to give up either of these guys, especially when you need guys to come in. Like, let's talk about Hoglander, man, because Jim Benning was talking again today. He talked a lot about Niels Hoglander the other day when he talked, and then today he talks about him again. And like, it seems to me like they really want this guy to make the team. Like, they're going to do everything they can to make sure a spot is available for him to make the team. Listen, a lot of people think that Jack Rathbone signed with the intention or that he was promised a spot or that he was going to be given, you know, the best chance to make this team as possible. I look at it a little bit differently. I think that Ole Olevi's that spot right now, and you can tell by the way that Jim Benning's talked about Yolevi. I think that Yolevi's the defenseman who's going to have a chance to make this team more than more than Rafferty. 
Uh, unless they don't sign a right shot guy, then Rafferty kind of has to well, go in there or Chatfield yeah. too. But I think that you'll levy right now in the eyes of Canucks management is higher than Rathbone. Though a lot of people think Rathbone's going to be a better player and they think that he's a higher potential player. I think Yolevi's the guy in the back end. But yeah, the way that Jim's been talking about Huglander over the past couple weeks, like I, if they don't go out and sign a guy who can contribute in their bottom six and help actually score goals on a third line, like I, I think that they're going to give all the chances in the world for Niels Huglander to come out and make this Canucks team. Like it's, It, it would have been great, I think, just to get a view on him. And you know, maybe he doesn't make the team, he goes back to Sweden. But... Right now, and from what we've heard lately, I, I, like, I'm getting closer and closer to thinking that they're going to really, really give him a real look at the NHL level. If there's preseason games, you're going to see Huglander in those for a lot of those. If you're actually going to get closer to season, or maybe it's like a preseason tournament, like we don't really know how they're going to go into the season, right? But there is going to be some sort of games before the season starts. I'd have to think. So yeah, I'd like I'm, I don't like I've watched a lot of Huglander, man. I just I think that he's going to be a good player. I think that he could probably be a contributor in the NHL right now, but he could also come here and not yet be consistent enough. And I think that's a big thing you want to see. Like he had a, he started off with a bang, big four points in two games start of the year. Hasn't had a point since the first two games. So like, it's not like he's playing bad. He hasn't had a, a negative Corsi game yet uh, for shot share. Like he hasn't had a lower, a lower than 50% shot share, probably lower than like 58%. His course is ridiculous. It's, it's something like 70% Mm. uh, right now when his team's sitting at 52%. So he's like an 18% boost on his team. Huglander's doing amazing work over there right now, but what does it translate to in the NHL? And you look at a guy like Alex Wenberg, who's in a, who was in a very, very similar situation as Huglander. He played his draft plus two year in the SHL. He had a great year in the SHL, came over to the NHL and he still only put up 20 points in a full season. So if people expect Huglander to come in and be a rookie of the year talent right now, I don't know. But if they were to give him the rest of this year in Sweden and bring him in for the 21-22 season with Pod Colson, you have Huglander potentially jumping into a top six and actually being in the rookie of the year race, I think. But it just like it seems like they need him now. You know what I mean? And the way they want him to, now for sure. They do. They do want him now, exactly. And I mean that's the point, right? Is like at what point are they rushing him? You know what I mean? I and I, I don't want to say that they're going to force him to play. They're going to be like, okay, no, you have to make the team. I'm sure he's going to be great. I'm sure, right? But, you know, maybe he's not going to be great right away. Maybe you need to pump the brakes on him a little bit. But another guy that they brought up is Jalen Chatfield as a player who Benning said is ready. You watched a lot more of him than I did in the AHL. But from what I saw at training camp, Jalen Chatfield's not an NHL defenseman. Jalen Chatfield is, and I say this in a nice way. He's a greasy defenseman. He's a greasy right shot, stay-at-home defenseman. And I think that the way that I look at it is I think that a lot of people, and maybe not a lot, but I think there are people in the Canucks management right now that are saying this kind of guy can replace Chris Tanev. He can do a lot of the same things that Chris Tanev does because if you look at like the AHL caliber of player that he was, he would be, if you were to just like look at Chris Tanev play in the NHL and then look at Jalen Chatfield play in the AHL, you'd be like, you know, it's like that, that meme with Pam Beasley from the office. Like the, it's the same picture, the same picture. you know, like yeah. that's what it is. Like he does that at the AHL level, but I don't think his decision-making is quick enough. And I don't think that he, you know, can be as physical in the NHL with guys that are much bigger, stronger, faster, better shooters, more skilled, better deeks. Everything at the NHL is, is leaps and bounds better than it is at the AHL level. You know, that's why Reboucher doesn't have success at the NHL. It's the same thing. I just, if they're banking on him to come in and, and be a guy that, like, 
like straight up looking at the right side right now, like would they actually think about having Jalen Chatfield play with Quinn Hughes? Like, like straight up. It would, sure sounds like it. He's talked about him a lot. He hasn't mentioned Jordy Ben's name enough right now, but you look at the right side, it's Tyler Myers. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Then they have, then they start talking about Chatfield or Rafferty or that Ben could play on the right side. They like, man, I know we talked about on last week's or like last episode, but letting Troy Stetcher walk is, I really hope that they can circle back on him. That's not the plan right now. That's not the plan. Yeah, they. We've heard that they circled back on Tanev, and by the time you're hearing this episode, you know maybe they circled is a deal. back on Stetcher. But as I somehow reported first um, earlier this week, and it was confirmed by Dan Murphy, the Canucks' plan is not to circle back on Troy Stetcher as of right now. At the time of this recording, Friday evening, the Canucks don't have any hopes or any plans of circling back on Troy Stetcher, who, by the way, was working out with Alex Edler in Richmond today. Did you see that on Twitter? No, I didn't. Yeah, they were doing like drills together, those hmm. two. Anyway, I uh, thought that was pretty fun. But yeah, like the right side, I am i don't want to get into like speculating or whatever, but why are you bringing up Jalen Chatfield so much, but no mention of Brogan Rafferty? Is his name the one that's being floated in trade talks? Because I think it must be. Uh, yeah, I think it might have been. I think it might have been at first. I think that might be the one that they wanted to give up, but I think that the prospect that people want isn't the 24-year-old defenseman. It's the 21-year-old Cole Lind who had a huge step yep. in the HLC. I think that's a, that's the prospect that people want if you're going to come trading to the Vancouver Canucks. Like, yeah, we saw it firsthand. Rafferty was really good at first training camp. Second training camp, he was really bad. He was getting turnstiled. He was getting out-muscled by every single Canuck. I remember mm-hmm. Michael Furlan just actually running through Brogan Rafferty, who I'm a huge supporter of. I thought that he nice looked guy, so... friend of the show. Yep, friend of the show, guest of the show, Bachelor fan. You got to love it. Like, he's... He's a guy that you really want, like you want to root for him. You talk to this guy and you want to root for him. He just, he didn't have a good second camp. And I think that that camp in a lot of Canucks management eyes right now, like look how high they are on Yoli Levy. Like Yolevi did have a great camp, but like, are, are people just forgetting about like the, what he looked like at the AHL level? Like he couldn't skate. He couldn't pivot. He couldn't turn. Like, yeah, it was nice to see him healthy again, but can he stay healthy for that long? Like I like I feel like banking on Yo Levy is a lot to do right now. He's he's gotten injured every year when he starts playing multiple games and you know, he always comes out fresh and he looks good and he did look good at second training camp. He looked fine through practice and everything and and scrimmages, the one game he played. But I just like the thing that scares me with Yo Levy is what he looks like when he has to play in a in a condensed season next year where he's playing a ton of games and like that's that's a lot to ask for a guy who just can't stay healthy, you know? Like it's a it's a it's a crappy situation with Yolevi. Like he just gets hurt all the time. You wonder if his body just can't hold up to the rigors of the yeah. AHL. What's that going to be like at the NHL, man? Well, okay. Here's the thing. We we said before this episode that we weren't going to talk too much about the defense because, folks, there's no way that the Canucks are done. Like the Canucks aren't washing their hands and be like, all right, what a good off season for us after signing Braden Holtby. Like this is not where the off season ends for the Canucks. They still have a ton of work to do. And Jim said today on the Zoom call that it could happen over the next four days here or even a week, he said. So I think by the time we talk to insert player name here who we're talking to uh, next Wednesday, I think you'll know we'll have a better idea of, you know, what the defense is actually going to look like. And maybe we'll talk to this player about, uh, about the maybe, but let's, 
let's let's do the stuff that news that came down uh, this week anyway. Since yeah, we're like, oh, let's make this a quick ten minute intro and get to Woodley and hear his opinion All on right. the goalies. This is a good conversation, but let's talk about it. Canucks go and sign Brayden Holby to a two year deal. I love the deal. I hundred percent love the deal. Yep, absolutely. Um, again, he, what do you love the most about the deal? The term, yeah, the term, two, the two years is perfect. I think I, the I only thing the that would have been better was one year, but I think two years is like even better because. But the way they structured the contract and good reporting by Thomas oh, Drance yeah. on this. It's two point something the first year and five point something the second year. Yep. So that you do put him out in the expansion draft. Does he even get taken? Only if he has an unreal season with the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. Exactly. You know, at that money. So I I love the deal. I think the two year deal is great. Seeing Jacob Marks from walk for six point six or six by six to the Calgary Flames, it's ups, like really good for him. He earned his money so here. So happy he did for in Vancouver. Him. But they, the Canucks could not give that out. And I I, I was going to use the they can't afford to give that out. But not even from a dollar standpoint, they just should not give out a six-year deal to any goaltender. No right. team should. And with a no-move clause, like no, Calgary fully invested in Jacob Marstrom. I hope he has a fine career for the rest of his career in yep. Calgary, except against the Canucks when they beat them and potentially play him ten times this year in an all-Canadian oh, bubble. Man. Oh I'm, man, I'm fully expecting for there to be one Markstrom-like performance. Like you oh, know, yeah. when we would talk about those fifty-save performances. You know, like he's seen all these Canucks shots a lot in practice. He's yeah. gonna be good against the Canucks, man. Like he's gonna oh, know where man. they're gonna go. Yeah, that's gonna. You know what? I, I'm gonna be interested to see how that plays out because that's gonna be an interesting storyline for sure. Most definitely. Um, Braden Holtby, though, like from what we see off the ice, uh, from what we hear from what we saw, Caps fans react. Did you see the replies? Yeah, in the Canucks People post when they signed him. Oh man, like Caps fans were in there in the first three minutes of that tweet being out. They were just like praising everything. Similar to what Canucks fans are doing with Jacob Markstrom. You saw the tweet that Calgary yeah. put out. You saw all Canucks fans in their replies there. Well, Similar situation. <laughs> There's a few Canucks fans. Yeah, a fans. couple bad ones, but you know, like Jacob Markstrom was incredible here. He was he was the good goalie that the Canucks needed for a long time. He came up, he shirted it up, he played at an elite level, one of the top goaltenders in the league last year. Uh he got better every season that he was here. Um he got too good that the Canucks couldn't pay him. That's where it was at. You know, and Braden Holtby for the like there's a lot of goaltender situations that I was going through in my head on, on, you know, Thursday night going into this. When I saw Friday that that was a deal that came down, I had a smile on my face because I thought that was a good deal. I think Braden Holtby is a perfect goaltender to come in and play. I didn't think they'd be able to get it done at the money that they did and the term that they did. But the, you know, when we first heard that the Canucks were in on Holtby and Holtby wanted to go into Vancouver, like I was worried. I was like, Oh no, like, are we going to get him for five years at, you know, four and a half to five mm-hmm. and a half million? Like this is bad. And two million, four point two per year. I'm happy. I'm very happy with it. No clauses in the contract. Like it's perfect. It's a perfect stopgap, man. You're letting Thatcher Demko have another mentor, right? Like this could be Thatcher Demko's starting job to lose. But what we do know a hundred percent is that he's going to be challenged for it. It's not like he's walking in and it's like, okay, Thatcher, we need you to be the starter, and if you're not we're basically screwed. The Canucks have a backup plan. Like we talked about the importance of a one A, one B if Markstrom left. The Canucks now have it. They have it on a good contract. I don't know how you can look at this and be upset. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's a good deal. I'm I'm happy that they went with Markstrom, but we'll cut to Woodley here, and this is where we get into a lot of good conversation about Braden Holtby, the Canucks' newest member. But before we get to Woodley, we're going to hear from our friends at Zephyr Epic. Then we'll have to come back, and then we'll throw it to Jacob Truscott. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast, Zephyr Epic, Canada's source for trading card games 
and sports cards. We open a lot of hockey cards for them, and you can too. You can use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, so take advantage of that. Again, that is promo code CanucksConvo at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, on Twitter, Instagram, and join them on Twitch every Thursday for weekly case break giveaways. Chris and I have a lot of fun doing these. You guys should check them out as well. We've been having a lot of luck. We opened a lot of Quinn Hughes cards, and now we're doing the DiPietro diving. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram opening hockey cards at random times. It's really hard to find out when we're going to do it because we don't really know when we're going to do it. But be on the lookout for that and make sure you go buy yourself some hockey cards, whatever cards you need from Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. All right, guys, very pleased to be joined now by Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine, contributor to TSN 1040. Kevin, busy day for you, my friend. How are you doing today? Yeah, no, like I said uh, earlier, um, I'm one of the local stations. A good day for me um, just because there's a so it's never a bad thing when, when one of the prize free agents comes to the market you cover and you already have a relationship. And I think it's actually probably important, um, as I did on Twitter earlier today, to just kind of like sort of in the interest of full disclosure, kind of say that, right? Like, um, yeah, I, I know Braden Hopi well. I've had an opportunity to work with him on the ice uh, three summers ago. Um He's done some webinar work with us from Ingle Magazine where him and John Stephen, a sports psychologist, actually joined uh, our membership for an hour and put on a webinar just sort of talking about all the approaches he has, uh, you know, to the mental game and all the work he does behind the scenes. So, you know, I full disclosure um, up front, I'm a Hopi fan uh, as a person first and foremost, but also a fan of his game. So probably best to just put all that out there. So if people uh, accuse me of a bias... Might as well just tell them up front, I've got one. But that doesn't mean I can't be black and white when I look at the numbers and things like that. Fair enough. And you you brought up uh, John Stevenson there, his mental coach. He brought up today on the call about disconnecting from devices, and he's got, uh, he's, he's got a really old iPhone just like Jay Beagle. And that was something I think you said John Stevenson helped him with. You know, When did he start working with this guy, and how did that relationship come to be? Okay, so like the, in terms of the devices, yeah, it, it, it is a concentrated thing. It's actually him and another guy that uh, John worked with growing up, uh, Carter Hart, um, both same type of thing where they will put the phones away, put the devices away and really disconnect, uh, which is really good for them and their mindset, uh, really bad for a reporter sometimes trying to get a hold of them. Today was definitely the fastest I've gotten a text back from Brayden <laughs> So um, I don't expect that to be a regular occurrence. His relationship with John Stevenson goes back to when he was 16 years old. And long before John sort of established himself as a sports psychologist, he was a goaltending coach for the Saskatoon Blades. And that's where obviously where Braden played and played in junior. And so when Braden wins a cup all those years later in 2018, uh, and, and Scott Oak asks him, you know, for some of the names and some of the people that, you know, helped him get here and the people he thinks of, um, as much as guys like Mitch Korn were a massive part of Braden's game in Washington, the first name that comes up is John Stevenson. And, you know, we, when we talk about, you know, goaltending, I can evaluate what they do in the crease between the pipes and breakdown technique and all those elements, but I can never see inside their head and, and what's going on between their ears. When it comes to Braden Holpe, like that work has been done. You don't worry about that. And, you know, it's ironic, actually, we're going to post an article uh, probably tomorrow with a video 
um, of John Stevenson at ingoalmag.com uh, for our premium members sharing one of the breathing exercises that he started with Braden Holpe and how that relationship really took off after Braden was cut from the world junior team. Um, best goalie in the CHL at the time gets cut from the world junior team, comes back to Saskatoon, disappointed, dejected, and asks why I got cut. And he checked all the boxes, all the physical tools, but he used to be kind of a hothead, and he'll tell you that. And what John told him was, I mean, John's words, not mine. He said, you're a mental midget. Um, you know, you, you need to, there's some things you got to do to get a better handle on the emotions of the game and your emotions and your ability to manage moments and stay in the moment. And it started with a breathing exercise where, you know, he said, I, I'd like you to sort of sit and do this breathing exercise and just concentrate and focus on your breath for two minutes. And, and Holtz was kind of like, like, give me a break. No big deal. And sure enough, two minutes passed and his mind was all over the place and hearing things in the other room and thinking about something that the coach had asked him to do. And, um, so that was kind of the beginning. And the, the thing is, is like, you can, you could teach a goalie that you could talk about that difference with Braden Holpe is once he recognized that that's what he needed to work on, he went and he worked on that breathing exercise, on that ability to hold concentration and focus on breath as a way to ground himself and stay in the moment. He went and started working on that 20 minutes every single day. Why 20 minutes? Cause there's 20 minutes to a period. That's how long we need to hold mm -hmm. our concentration as goaltenders every single day. And so when Braden Holpe thanks John Stevenson after he wins a cup, John turns around and says, that's a bunch of crap. Braden Holpe deserves the credit. I gave him the tools, but he did the work. And mm -hmm. That is something you can count on from Braden Holtby on and off the ice. And that's one of the reasons he's going to be a good fit with Ian Clark. Clark, he pushes his goaltender, like his mandate to his goaltenders is that they be the hardest working guys on the team. We're the most important position, so we have to set the example of being the hardest workers. Jacob Markstrom was a great fit with that. Thatcher Demko has been an excellent fit with that. Braden Holpe will be an excellent fit with that. The biggest challenge in Washington back when he was playing so much was getting him to back off so they didn't wear him out because he wanted to be out there. He wanted to be doing the work. So I think this is an excellent marriage between a goaltending coach and, and Braden Holpe in terms of the way they see the game largely, um, but also in terms of the way – they, they know the, the work rate, the work ethic. That is going to be there with Braden Holpe. It's not a question because Clarkie pushes. And sometimes too much. Some goalies bristle at it. But I don't think that'll be the case with Braden Holpe. He's been there. Uh, and as I kind of mentioned it to him today, and his response was, we, you know, one of the things we sort of lost in Washington was, uh, we, you know, we didn't have enough hard asses. Interesting. Well, it's nice to get another one on the Canucks, that's for sure. And uh, I'm I'm curious because you mentioned there's a relationship between yourself and Holtby, you know, off the ice as well. And I see some of the stuff that has come out of Washington Capitals fans, how they're going to miss this guy off the ice. Uh, just a guy who, you know, stands up for Black Lives Matter. I remember seeing some comments out of him that were just nice to see from an NHL player. Uh, and he's kind of been at the head of a lot of these movements for equal rights and humanity. And I'm just curious what kind of guys he like off the ice. I just... I don't salt of the earth, Saskatchewan farm boy. Like, um, you know, you see the values, you guys were on the zoom. You saw that, you know, you saw the quotes, you know, like he's just, um, he does the right things. He doesn't go to inaugurate. He doesn't go to, he didn't join the team, uh, at the white house. Um, you know, he has principles, whether you agree with them or not, you have to respect and not everyone will. I mean, I happen to, but not everyone will. We have to respect the fact that he stands up for them. He just doesn't, you know, even in a, in, in a situation where I think a lot of the pressure would have been, you know, to do what the team does. Um, 
you know, and sort of hold that, that old hockey school mentality, he stands up for what he believes in. And he believes, he said today, he believes in human rights. He believes in quality. He believes in opportunity, equal opportunity. Like, so that's who he is. And he's honest and he's open and he's thoughtful. He doesn't do things blindly to follow a pack, to fit in, to be part of the team, to stick with the team. Like he just, he does it. He's insightful. He thinks about things and he'll openly communicate about those things. And he's the same way with goaltending. Um, you know, the stuff that, that when, when the opportunity I had to sort of watch him work and, and be on the ice and, and do some video work when he was, you know, making some changes with the new Capitals goalie coach three years ago, um, like it was, there's a back and forth there. And that's another reason I think he's going to fit with Ian Clark. Like Ian Clark, as hard as he pushes his goaltenders, he isn't a because I said so guy. He's not going to tell Braden Holby, this is how we do it here because I said so. He explains things to the nth degree. Like that's how I learned goaltending was editing his technical instruction in the old goalie news magazine that Ian used to publish. And the depth of it was incredible. And it was hard sometimes to get through some of the articles because they were 3,000 words on a certain technique. But when you got through, if you pushed through, my job was to make it a little easier to push through as an editor. But if you push through, you came away with a complete understanding of the why, why we do this, why we would do it this way instead of that way, not just because I said so. And Braden Holtby is the kind of guy that's going to ask those questions. Um, Braden Holtby is a guy who at a time where – you know, proper biomechanics of tracking. And that's one of the things that we were working on three years ago up in Kelowna, um, you know, sort of mandate and dictate that you have head on the puck, central eye vision, like through the middle of your sockets, um, because moving your head in that manner is going to make your body follow in the most efficient manner. Braden Holtby plays out of his peripherals, maybe more than any other goaltender in the league. It's head up and his peripheral vision is, has been tested by someone who was testing athletes from all different sports. And I'm still trying to get these numbers uh, from the person. Um, but the Caps goalie coach at the time told me when they did the testing, Holtz was off the charts, like off the charts, set new marks for the power of his peripheral vision. Again, not surprised because the other thing that John Stevenson does besides sports psychology is recognizes the need to tie it into sports vision. And so Holtby's done a lot of that training throughout his career. We see the eye warm up exercise. It's not just him darting his eyes back and forth. I've had this conversation with him. It's, it's very specifically warming up the eyes of the muscle because he under the muscle of the eyes, because he understands that's your most important muscle as a goaltender. So, um, you know, like, like that's the, but, but he's going to have that conversation. Like he feels the need to play out of his peripheral, but the technical element says you need to play less out of your peripheral. And so that becomes a conversation and a back and forth rather than a, no, I'm sorry, you just have to do it this way. And does every decision, is it, is it always going to be the right one? You know, like are there, are some coaches going to look at it and say, man, I wish he would change this. Yeah, probably, maybe. Um, you know, but outside the last couple of seasons, and I think part of that was defensive environment, especially this year, uh, he's had success with it. And so I think what they'll do is they'll find a way to work together to find a balance between the elements that Holtby feels he needs in his game to play well and the things that Ian Clark sees might have to change a little bit here and a little bit there to play even better. That's exactly what my next question is. What do you think it is about about Braden Holtby's game that Ian Clark is going to want to change the most when he gets here? Hmm. That's going to be interesting because 
And then honestly, I, I, I'm not sure. I played a little bit of backwards flow off the rush, um, you know, and, and and sort of straight line flow, whereas Ian would prefer his guys to maybe play a little less straight line back and, and a little more rotate into angle as you retreat. Um, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, but again, Ian teaches it in a way that makes it a little easier to sort of understand sometimes and um, goalies tend to adapt to it. So that would be one thing I would think about. Uh, I don't know that you'll have to change, like usually in with his three-stance system, that's one of the one of the first things mm-hmm. um, to work on. Uh, was with Jacob Markstrom, uh, has been with Mikey DiPietro, uh, Demko as well. Yeah, Holtz has a, has a narrow upright stance early, like he doesn't get set uh, too soon into his save execution stance. Uh, so I don't think that's as big a project. Uh, the one thing would be lateral place. I, I do think there's a little, like I said, when I talk about that flow and, and maybe getting caught, you know, on one side of the net as the play's going the other way. Like I think you could probably introduce some efficiencies there that Didion might, might try and work on. Um, the principles remain the same. Uh, again, and this is where they'll have to find that balance. Braden relying on reads and in wanting to make sure his guys like great rely on reads, but don't read where it's going and go there, get to where it's going first ahead of it, the play, the puck, and then make your read from there because getting the information early and the early eyes and the early positioning allows you to be ahead with your next read rather than following along at the exact pace, arriving as it gets there, and then having to build all that information into your next read. So um, beating plays and things like that, I hope he has the skill set to do all those things, and I expect Ian to continue to push the, those same buttons that he has with all his goaltenders. I don't think they change dramatically. I think they just vary from guy to guy in terms of how much emphasis it's needed. Now, Kevin, the last time you were on this podcast, you and I talked about Jacob Markstrom. You said if you were the GM, you'd be trying to re-sign him, but you would be avoiding term. Given the fact he just got a 6x6 six six in Calgary, uh, I'm assuming you also still think that they went over overboard there with the term, but what do you think of this move from a managerial standpoint for the Canucks going with Holtby instead of extending Markstrom for that long? See, listen, this is a tough one for me because here I am praising Braden Holtby and I like the deal. And you can't ignore the fact that, you know, the last season was tough. I did talk about his expected save percentage in Washington. Clearside Analytics had it at 879, lowest in the NHL among starters. So it was a tough defensive environment. <laughs> Not often we – there aren't a lot of goalies in the league where I would have been saying things might actually be easier for him in Vancouver behind this <laughs> defense. And um, Holtby is actually one of them. Um, so hopefully that that's enough of the difference. But at the same time, for, for all the praise I have for Braden and, and as much as I think some of his strengths match the types of chances the Canucks give up, um, it, it's hard to ignore, and we really shouldn't ignore, that Jacob fit them even better. Mm-hmm. Like, he fit them like a glove. And if they're going to continue to rely on Vesna caliber type goaltending to survive, to thrive, that... Jacob was giving them that. And then Braden may have a Vesna, but expecting the same out of him, like that that's a big ask. And Jacob fit this environment really well. You know, the things that he was really good at were the chances that they gave up a lot. Now, again, Braden, clear sight shots, um, excellent as well. Uh, rebound screens, excellent at managing those. The one that where the big difference is is on lateral plays, slot line plays. Jacob's numbers were better. 
Bradens are below or below expected, and that's a type of play they surrender a lot. But again, hey, that's them last season. If they get back to the way they defended in the postseason um, against Vegas, especially those chances weren't getting through. So it's a thing that remains in flux, not just because your defensive personnel, because hey, without Canev, maybe this gets even tougher. Um, but you can coach things differently and get attention to detail differently that can help as well. So, um, but at the end of the day, like Markstrom was that good, right? Like the best goalie in the NHL the last two seasons in terms of the amount of goals he saved his team, almost 40. There were some teams where if you plug Markstrom's results into the chances they gave up compared to the guy they had last year, would have saved as many as 50 goals in a single season based just on the math. It's never perfect, but just to give you a framework. In Calgary, uh, I've got that at close to 19 goals. Like, he fits their system. As long as there's no drop-off in terms of not having in Clark to push all the same buttons, then he should be very good for them. Now, term, listen, you cost me my goalie union card, but I've said it for a couple of years now. Just because the game and everything changes so much, Matt Murray, Exhibit A, um, I wouldn't hand out term, you know, Generally speaking, uh, I would avoid it as much as I could. Uh, Jacob is going to be 31 probably by the time next season starts in late January. Uh, six years is a long time. That said, like if we're looking around the league, like how hard is it? You know, Jim Benning talked about it today, impossible to shed contracts. Hard for teams to really improve. Like if, if you give me my druthers and I can build a great top four in defense and spend on that and then – build you a goaltender to succeed. I think there's a lot of people that would say that. But right now, it's really hard to change the top four in defense as well. Like, if you can't make all those changes, as much as maybe that's where you should spend your money, if you can't, if you can't fix things there, I'm not sure there is much that is going to make you significantly better or as much that can make you as significantly better as plugging a guy like Jacob Markstrom into your team if you're confident he can continue to have the success he had here with you. Mm-hmm. Like if he plays for the Flames like he did for Vancouver, and that's an if, but if he does, like that's 17 or 18 goals next year. And even more important, when you break down David Riddich, his numbers crater when the game is close. Like his numbers aren't terrible overall. They dipped in the second half. But where they really crater is when the game is closer tied. And you start to wonder about those things. And Markstrom's are excellent. It's not just that he's great overall. and He's not just a bad team goalie. When, when the moments are biggest, his numbers stay at that level. They don't fall off. And that's one of the things I've started playing a little more with at ClearSight, having sort of the keys to, the, to get to look under the hood, to pop the hood and check under the engine here, is you're able to sort of split these things up by situations, by score. When, the, when it's a one-goal game, when it's tied, late in games, things like that, and sort of see, you know, are there any guys who just absolutely crumble and guys that excel? And, and Markstrom checks that box too. So as much as I said term was too much and as much as $6 million is a lot of money, um, you know, there were two guys on the open market that I felt like were slam dunk the best two choices heading into this free agency. Jacob Markstrom and Robin Lehner. Robin Lehner's a bargain at five over five at, at the age of 28 or just 29. Maybe Markstrom's an overpay but for six years, but what he's going to mean to that team over the next three may make it all worthwhile. 
it's interesting, and I know that that situation with those goals, with those goaltenders is is something that's going to really change what the fabric of their goaltending position is. And Vancouver's kind of in a similar situation with what's going to happen next year as Thatcher Demko makes a push for the starter. Uh, I heard you on 1040 mentioning this, that you don't think Holtby's just going to come in and say, you know, here's here's the keys to the castle. This is your crease. I'm just going to sit in the bench and cheer you on. Like, he's he's here to push for a spot to be a starter, I think, at this point, is what you kind of said. So how do you kind of think that we go into next season looking at the Canucks goaltender situation? Like, is it is it because Thatcher Demko's here now, he had a great playoffs, is it his starting spot to lose, or is is it something that they're going to look at more of a 50-50 role with these guys? Who knows how the season starts? Who knows what the season looks like? The, it looks more and more like we're talking about a pretty condensed season either way. And you're going to need both. And so I think you go in approaching it like you probably could end up in a 50-50 split. And the fact you have two guys is going to be important. Play will dictate if one starts more than the other. At the end of the day, that's how it always works. Um, but when I said on 1040 that... Uh, Braden's not coming in here to just sit on the bench, open the door and pat him on the back and give him, you know, whisper sweet nothings into his ear and give him words of, of wisdom. I meant that in a positive way. Like he's going to be a supportive mentor. He will be good for Thatcher Demko again, because he talks about the game. He lives and breathes the position. Like he, he he's a thinker. Um, they will have discussions about goaltending, both of them, because they're both like that. Like, I think this is good. You know, like it's been discussed already, and Braden mentioned it in an interview already in the marketplace, but one of the first things he did when we had our text back and forth was get Thatcher Demko's number from me so he could reach out. So, <laughs> I, you know, I do think that um, it's not a negative. I, I wouldn't want a guy who's just coming in here to concede to be the backup. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not a Vesna Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion, and we just, you know, you just paid him for over $4 million a year on average, 4.3. Like, you know, like, but I don't think that's a negative in any way, shape or form. There's probably still going to be growing pains. There will be ups and downs for, 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 um, Thatcher Demko. And there might be some growing pains for, for Braden Holpe coming to a new market and changing everything for the first time in his career. And so having both as they go through them at hopefully different points of the season is going to be really important. Having an environment where, uh, it's competitive in a positive way um, is important. I, you know, the last thing you want, and I talked about the work ethic. Like, again, you don't want a guy that's going to come in here and concede and just, you know, go out there and go through the motions. You want a guy who's going to come and drive everyone else to be better. And yeah. Braden's going to do that in a different way than Jacob did. He is not as fiery as Jacob Markstrom. Um, but again, don't confuse that for not wanting to win. Uh, I think he'll he'll push for for... Um, he'll push in practice to be better, to be better. He will push, uh, Dr. Demko to be better and he will push for starts. And those should all be things that we regard in a positive manner, not as, uh, he's not going to undermine Thatcher Demko in the way he does it. Absolutely. And I, th- I think this is kind of more of in the rear view or I guess kind of the down the road a little bit here, but it's, it's something that I think seeing a two year deal for Braden Holtby, uh, some people were floating the idea of Mikey DiPietro being a backup next year. They must have not listened to you or read some of your work. Uh, but I'm wondering, I'm curious to get your opinion on the situation now with Mikey DiPietro, uh, and this kind of two year situation and also Demko's contract coming up. Is it almost like the perfect situation now for Mikey DiPietro to kind of continue his development and not really be worried about being rushed? Uh, listen, Mikey had a hell of a first year as a pro, and I'm sure he like he may feel like he's. I haven't talked to him obviously since he you know, didn't make it to the bubble, um, but you know maybe he feels he's ready for more. But I think he would probably you know answering honestly tell you that he he also could benefit from 
getting to play a ton. This this is a tough year for guys in his situation because they may not get to play a ton, right? Like yeah. in some ways being up here and, and, and in a condensed schedule, you would get to play a lot. You'd have Ian Clark a lot. Like there'd be a lot of positives to that. But I think what this does is it buys you time. Um, the two-year deal gives you – I thought it was really interesting the way they structured it. Thomas Durant uh, had it on Twitter where it's 2.9 in the first year, and I think it's 5.7 in the second year. Like, they really split this mm-hmm. contract up and made it heavy. So, you know what that does to me um, is, is it creates a situation where Braden does have an excellent first year here, and you have to expose him. Um, to Seattle in the expansion draft, and and that's one thing you gained in this contract today. Um, that five point seven million for the first year, uh, and then and then walking into another unrestricted free agency at at thirty two uh, for, for Holtby, or just turning thirty three. Couple, you know, after the second year of that deal, like that's a little tougher if you're Seattle. Like, mm-hmm. okay, our option here is Braden Holtby, and he was excellent, but we only get him for a year. We got to pay him five point seven. They've only paid him two point nine the first year. And we only get him for a year before he's back to UFA. Like they made that a tougher grab for the Seattle Kraken if indeed he has a great season. And they made it maybe made it an option where they can turn him into an asset down the road as well, as opposed to someone you just automatically lose to the Seattle Kraken. I thought that was an interesting structure as well. And and, and it leaves you some freedom with, with Michael DiPietro. I mean, if, if Mikey keeps doing what he did the first year, maybe he does push. Maybe he shows he's ready after Holpe's first year. Uh, and then you have decisions to make. But I would suggest there, if that's the case, it's a good decision you face rather than, you know, where the hell do we find a goaltender? Um, having an excess is never a bad thing. I've always said you take advantage of a guy's ability to go back and forth without waivers. Not necessarily for as long as you can. I think we've seen teams um, that are better situated geographically with their affiliate actually run guys back and forth as the backup but send them to the minors on weekends to play games to continue to get the best of both worlds. Obviously, that doesn't work with Utica and Vancouver. So barring that, I just think you use that non-waiver time as long as you can to get a guy like DiPietro as many games as you can and let him continue to build on an excellent first season. Because it really was, like, no doubt, an excellent first professional season for Mikey DiPietro. Kevin, just before we wrap up here, my last question is about Arthur Silovs, who's back in Latvia playing this season. In terms of his development, how good do you think that situation is for him? Do you think it's he had better? A tough start in this first game there, I noticed the last game. I didn't watch his last game. Tough start. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. The, uh, most I can tell you about Silovs is, like, I trust Ian Clark being able to find raw talent. Um, especially overseas. I think Dan Cluche was a big part of that one as well and that decision to, to draft Silov. Beyond that, and sort of seeing a lot of Sergei Bobrovsky and some of his movement patterns, um, you know, early on when he was at at, uh, at Canucks camp last season or development camp, I can't even remember which one. I mean, these years are all kind of blending in, but watching him play and seeing some of those sort of, you know, that mirror image in terms of at least the way he moved. Um, but the most I could tell you about him is he once borrowed the, the In Goal Magazine test set uh, of CCM equipment while he was waiting for his own. Uh, I, you know, honestly, like he, he actually was in Canucks, uh, what, I, I think it was early training camp last year wearing our pads um, because the stuff he came with from Latvia was so beat up it was literally falling apart. Uh, beyond that, guys, uh, I haven't kept as much track. I would say this. I would say that playing over there 
um, and getting an opportunity to play regularly is a hell of a lot better than being over here and potentially not getting to play, which is what he would have been facing in the Ontario Hockey League. So it's a positive that he's got a place to play. Not everybody does right now. Awesome, Kevin. Good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And a huge thank you to Kevin Woodley for joining us. Chris, a lot of insight there on Braden Holtby's game. He seems pretty confident that Braden Holtby's going to be able to improve. There's going to be some improvement here with Ian Clark. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it, it's a good spot for him to have a bounce back season. I mean, he he mentioned that, um, you know, the Canucks, everyone talks about how bad Jacob Markstrom's situation was, how many bad shots he faced. Uh, the stat that kind of jumped out to me was what the expected goal save uh, or sorry, save percentage was uh, for Holtby last year. And yeah. it was actually the worst uh, situation in the league. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens here, man. I'm, I'm Like I said earlier before the interview there, and you could probably hear my voice in the interview, I'm really excited. This is almost one of the best goaltender situations that I could ask for, to be 100% honest. I I think Braden Holtby is going to be the perfect guy to tandem with Thatcher Demko, and it's good for the expansion draft. It's it's a big win uh, in that regards for free agency. Yeah, exactly. And to, to clarify on that stat, because I saw some confusion on it on Twitter today, when we say the lowest expected goals, doesn't mean he played poorly. It means that he was expected to do worse than he actually yes. did. And that's because people are all saying, oh, he had an under 900 yeah, save percentage. Exactly. He did, but he was expected to be even worse. Yeah, than that. exactly. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, like we talk about how bad the Canucks defensive systems is, like, and Woodley brought up a good point. Like, if they could just defend like they did in the playoffs against Vegas, like when they started to actually defend, this could be a good situation here. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm pretty confident in Thatcher Demko. I think he's going to be great. But I also am really comfortable now that the Canucks have this as a backup plan. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a good situation. It's a great situation. It's a great spot for both these guys. Um, and yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm really happy with what the goaltender situation turned out to be. If you told me Jacob Markstrom was walking a month ago, I'd say, wow, like what are the Canucks going to do? And fast forward to now, I'm happy with it. So I'm happy with the situation. Hate to see Marky go. He's a great guy. He was good for this team. He's a warrior. But looking into the future, I think it's pretty bright for the Vancouver Canucks with what they have with Thatcher Demko, now Braden Holtby as a stopgap, and Mikey DiPietro in the wings. I mean, in after this Holtby contract's up, you're getting a good, good backup goaltender, I think, in Mikey DiPietro then. Speaking of good future, should we just cut to Jacob Truscott now? No, let's talk about the other signing. What other signing? The Canucks other signing. Who did they sign? Tyler Mott. Oh, okay. That's, that's he, cheap. You were an, on the Zoom he's call. He's an RFA. It's like kind of a signing. They signed him. Yeah, they did sign him. You're well, right. Let's talk about it. I had fun talking to Tyler Mott today. He's such a such a nice guy to talk to. Two years. Two point, what was it? 2.46 million total. Yeah, something like so that. So 1.23 cap hit for the two years. Yeah. I'm excited. I think that's a good deal for a fourth-line guy like Tyler Mott who's going to bring a lot and stepped up his game in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what he brings to the penalty kill is good, and I, I think he's a good signing. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see him here for two more years at the least. I, I think it's a pretty safe signing for the Canucks. Maybe you'd like to see them get that cap hit closer to Zach McEwen-like numbers, but I think with what Mott did in the playoffs, it kind of drove up his value a bit, and they couldn't really afford to, you know, go much lower on him. I don't think it would have been possible. So nope. I'm pretty happy with the deal the all in all. The deal's good. If I would have penciled in a deal for Tyler Mott, it would have been something like this. 1.2, 1.25, I would have said. So, you know, they underpaid in my view because I would have paid him 1.25 for two years. Hmm. Interesting. 
A lot of people. And were... you got the you got the second question in behind Brennan Bachelor, who, by the way, if you're not aware of these Zoom calls, Brennan Bachelor gets the first question every time because he's the Sportsnet guy. They're the rights holders. But second question was Canucks Army's David Quadrelli on that call. Caught me off guard. I will. I not was lie. like, what? I was wondering if like nobody else joined the call yet at that <laughs> point. I'm like, why is Dave going second? Dave rarely gets. I a was question quick on anyways. raising the hand because I knew yeah. I went in. I wasn't going to go on the call because I was like, I'll take the goalie. Like, even with the draft, we said, I was like, you take all the calls unless there's a goalie. Then I'm talking to him. And then we get to Holpe and I didn't even get to ask a question. Yeah, that's just the way she goes. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I hopped on because the broadcast wanted you to ask about the shirts. Uh, and, you know, that that's something I thought Mott should be asked about. You know, mental health in Michigan and BC. He tweeted or he posted on his Instagram, but he hadn't really given it didn't really talk about it much. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, you know, I wanted to give them that opportunity to talk about it. thought it'd be nice for the broadcast girls or whatever uh, to see that as well. Um, so yeah, I swooped in because you weren't going to ask because we all get one question on these calls is basically how it works. And sometimes the, the bigger guys get two. Um, but yeah, for, for us little guys, you know, we get one on these calls and Chris had an actual hockey. Question. Most of the time it's like, all right, we'll have time for one more question from Dave or Chris from Canucks army. That's how it kind of goes for it. Yeah, exactly. Except a training camp training camp. Cause no national media, no national media at training camp. It's just us. It's like, Oh, and Ben Kuzma's done asking. Uh, Brennan Bachelor's done asking. All right, here we go, Canucks Army. And then yeah, you and like I get ben, like Ben three Kuzma in. can't get his mic working. <laughs> you know, let's move on to the next question. That's kind of how it goes. Oh, I like see PJ running over to him trying to set up his computer (laughs) at training camp because Kuz can't get into his can't turn his mic on. That happened almost every single question with Kuz. Then he comes like, oh goddamn it! Then he finally mumbles into his question. I saw that happen a lot. You see PJ get up and run from his table over to Kuz every time. Some behind behind the scenes stuff for you there. Chris was nice to me at training camp. I uh, helped him because he was he yeah, was writing his, a good guy, his post game thing. We're sitting on the concourse. I don't think he, he even he don't think he even knows my name. But he was asking J Pat who scored one of the goals in the scrimmage, and J Pat didn't know. And I was like, it was Furland. He's like, oh, thanks. And then that was my. Kuz is Kuz a little dangerous though too. At my Botchford night, there was uh, there was a little bit of a ruckus at the snacks table. <laughs> Kuz was right at the middle of it. Just, Can you please tell this story? It's a little insider. Yeah, the uh, it was like peanut M&Ms came out in, in the uh, snack table. This is my botch for night. They're playing the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Tyler Toffoli's first game. And yeah, like they heard this, this kind of like a little bit of a ruckus you heard. And, and then like, I didn't see exactly what happened. Uh, then I heard a couple of the other media guys saying like, well, yeah, like Kuz was, you know, elbows up going for the, the, the M&M peanuts. I guess they don't normally put out very good snacks. Like I, by the time I got up there, it was like, it was the caramel and cheese popcorn. That's all they had left. Okay. And all the all the cheese popcorn was gone. It was just a bunch of caramel, pretty much. Yeah, that like would that's what it'd be like if I were was like there. picking the cheese popcorn out of the. It's better. Yeah, I know it is better, but like now I'm just stuck with caramel this whole time. But anyways, like the by the time I got up there, the peanut M and M's were long gone. Well, in my second, those and and they just had a bag of Sour Patch Kids on the table. I love I it. I had some of in those. my second intermission of my Botchford Project night. It was French fries and. Ian McIntyre came down and uh, sat next to me. He's like, did you get any French fries? And I was like, no. 
He's like, oh, I think they're all gone. But IMAC was quick on them, and he had he had so many. But... It's the vets, IMAC and and Kuzma. Oh, they... You know what I dude, had? That's on a my veteran night? move. Is getting to the snack table first. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. There was some good stuff at the start of the night, like chips and stuff. And we had a good. I had a good dinner. I think you had one too. That was like part of the night was to funny, have dinner. Funny story about Botch yeah. from his wife because I met her on my night. Well, you got to have dinner with Cat. Yeah, too, with Cat. Right? Yeah, she gave me some really good mine. advice. Yeah, yeah. She was great. Um, but yeah, funny story from Cat at the dinner about Botch was that he never ate at these, like, at the games. Like, all the reporters eat. Like, they, it's, it's not bad food. Like, it's we good, had mac yeah. and cheese, it's like, good chicken. buffet meals. Yeah. It was good. It was good. But, like, Botch never ate. And J-Pat and Cat were talking about it, and Cat was like, yeah, he never ate anything here. Uh, and J-Pat was like, yeah, like, all he ate was Starbucks oatmeal in the morning. Right. Like, he would get his Starbucks oatmeal, and that was all he would eat. And Kat said it was because he was, a, like, he's a really good cook. Like, she said he was a, such a good cook. Right. And I think he just didn't like any of the food. But, yeah, she she said, he's like, yeah, he never ate anything here. Like, he, he always really liked cooking. He was a really good cook. Yeah, it was good food, though, too, like, at the thing. The only thing I really took advantage of was um, was how much free pop. I'm a big pop guy. You know this. I drink yeah. pop a lot. I got one right here beside me. But I probably had, like, six ginger ales throughout the game. Wow. Yeah. But they were, like, to... Like, to be fair, they were, like, the smaller cans. Yeah. Like, they were, like, the thin, shorter cans. Hey, man, Francesco's going to cut costs. I know. That thing's going to be <laughs> locked. You come around next year. Good luck getting that much can. Well, All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. From I have this. one let's, last okay, thing. Okay, go ahead. My first day at training camp, uh, there's a there's like They were giving out beers at 11 in the morning at training which camp. Which was awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, man. It was the first time I've never been ID'd and offered a beer. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, anyways, get back on my arena. first day of the first training camp, not the second one, there's like a cooler of waters or whatever. And they were the Canuck waters. They're the Aquafinas, but they have the Canuck logo on them. So I'm like, well, these are $4 on the concourse for the exact same thing. So I'm probably not supposed to take one. And then I see Drance go in and grab one. And then I see Harmon grab one. And I'm like, wait, I can, I can just get a water. So I grabbed my water. Because you know how much I like drinking water. It's like water. an alarm goes off when you go to grab it. Yeah, exactly. I was Fake like media. worried. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what's going to happen if I take one? Like, I, I, yelled at. I told Harmon, I'm like, dude, I pay $4 for these when I go to games. He's like, what, hey, really? Where do I put the toonies? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, that's enough uh, behind-the-scenes access. we got to get to our interview with Jacob Trust. Tyler Mott was a good sign. <laughs> and speaking of guys from Michigan and Tyler Mott, we're actually going to talk a little bit about Tyler Mott in this interview coming up here with the fifth-round pick, who I called the fourth-round pick because he was 144th overall draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks in the 2020 draft. United States National Team Development Program alumni. Moving on to Michigan, Tyler Mott's alma mater. Let's get right to it, Commerce. Let's get to it, Quads. The conversation now with Jacob Truscott. Truscott. All right, guys, joining us now, we have defenseman picked in the fourth round by the Vancouver Canucks, Jake Triscott. How you doing, Jake? Good, how are you? Good. I'm wondering about the pronunciation there because I feel like it's close to the Cracker Trisket. Is that a nickname potentially for you growing up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a nickname growing up. Um, it's actually pronounced Truscott. Okay. Um, yeah, many people say that, but yeah, that's actually my nickname here right now, uh, Trisket. So <laughs> I go along with it. That's good. Yeah, I, I was going through the, some of the goal calls from your play-by-play announcer, Pete, over there, and I was wondering, like, is it Truscott or Trusket? So I'm glad we addressed it here. We had a had a struggle last week with a Swedish prospect, Niels Huglander, so we got him to help us with some pronunciation as well. Yeah, yeah, it's pronounced Truscott, so... 
Right on. Yeah. Well, I want to get started uh, very early on with you and kind of just get curious. Canucks fans would love to know how you kind of grew up and and you grew up in the Michigan area, obviously watching Michigan, I'm sure, quite a bit and now committed to Michigan. And as you mentioned, kind of off here with us, you're already on campus there, Michigan. So uh, I, let's talk about Michigan a little bit, I guess, Jake. Uh, from the start growing up, what was hockey like for you as a kid? Yeah, so I first started um, playing for Port Huron Flags. Um, that's where I live and I played there for a good amount of my, my youth career. Um, and then as soon as I was old, as I was old enough to go AAA, I went and played for Detroit Little Caesars. Um, we had a really good team there. Um, some people that got drafted would be Keenan Draper. Um, also Chris Draper was my coach growing up. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, it was awesome to have him as a coach and, um, a role model. Um, he's a, he's a great guy and, uh, to be able to learn from him was awesome. Um, so I played for Little Caesars for about six years. Um, actually, the closest uh, Vancouver I've been would be Edmonton at the Brick Tournament. But <laughs> right on. I haven't made my way up there yet. But, um, yeah, it was the closest I got to there. Um, yeah, so I played for Little Caesars for six years and then um, got the opportunity to play for um, – the USA NTDP um, for two years, so um, that was really, and then from there I went to Michigan, so I mean, ever since I was a little kid, uh, I always had the Michigan Michigan shirts on, rooting for Michigan on Saturday Night Football, and rooting for the hockey team, going to some <laughs> games, um, so for me as a kid, looking on the ice, um, I've always dreamed of, of playing there, and uh, you know, to be able to step on that ice now and in a Michigan uniform was it was a dream come true, and um, I'm so fortunate enough to, to play there. So, um, yeah, and then growing up, I didn't – I mean, it was just hockey for me. Right. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> my two older brothers uh, played hockey. My dad played hockey. My grandpa played hockey. So um, they all got me into it um, at such a young age. I think it was – when I started skating so um, yeah I mean I fell in love with it right away and kind of just took off with it I didn't play many other sports I think in middle school I did track and field um, ran the 800 for a year or two um, yeah and that was about it I just I didn't really have time to play other sports um, I mean I love I love playing sports that's one of the big things I do in my free time is just you know, pick up a football, baseball, you know, play with my friends. So, um, yeah, but mainly just hockey growing up. So you mentioned there with Little Caesars being coached by Draper. I'm just wondering if you can talk about that a little bit. Like, what was the main thing that he taught you that you take away, took away from it and you apply to your game today? Yeah, I mean, the main message every single day, um, you know, I just watch how he go about his business and he'd always teach us about work ethic and um, I think that's huge. Um, he'd always, you know, we'd be practice harder than any other team and, um, not just on the ice, but off, off the ice, like working out in the weight room, he always taught us to be the hardest worker and, you know, do other things that, that people won't. And I think that's something that really stuck with me is, um, you know, you gotta do more than the person next to you and do all the little things, um, you know, to become a champion at the end. So, and that's something I really took away from him um, is his work ethic. And, um, yeah, it's something I still apply and think about every single day I wake up. 
Absolutely, and that's great news to hear. I mean, anytime you're kind of around, you know, NHL talent, that's got to be huge. Was there anybody else? I mean, Michigan's obviously a hot spot for hockey. Is there any other guys that you kind of had run-ins with from the NHL? Um, yeah, I mean, there's people I looked up to. Um, like growing up, Tyler Mott, um, he actually played a year with my brother at Port Huron Flags um, growing up as a kid. So, um, you know, just watching his career path. Obviously, very similar to mine. Um, someone I looked up to at such a young age and um, kind of had a little connection with him. And, um, you know, he kind of did a similar path. So, actually, the same exact path other than Detroit Los Cedars. But, yeah, I mean, just to look up to him and um, see how far he's came from from where, where he's from. And, you know, we're from the same place, kind of. Like, I think I'm only like 10 miles from him. Um, our parents still talk to each other and stuff like that. So um, skate with them a little bit in the summer. So um, yeah, that's definitely someone I looked up to. And then Jack Campbell actually lives uh, right a couple blocks away from me um, in Port Huron. So, or Fort Gratiot. So, um, you know, him with another similar path um, to watch him grow up and, um, you know, be successful really motivated me and um, motivated me to to get to the next level. Um, so those are just two guys I, I grew up around um, and kind of just looked up to as a, as a little kid. I should mention to you, we actually had a Zoom call with Tyler Mott today and he was asked about you and he had nothing but good things to say about you. He said he, he grew up pretty close to you and uh, yeah, he had nothing but good things to say. So I thought I should let you know about that. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, we had a Zoom call with him today, and uh, I think it was Patrick Johnson. You'll meet him later. Um, he, uh, Yeah, he asked him. He's like, what can you tell us about uh, Jacob Truscott? And Mott smiled, and he had nothing but good things to say about you. So that's a good thing for you to hear, for sure. That's awesome. I, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to stick with Michigan a little bit here since it's kind of the theme of the first seven minutes here. Um, I know a guy that you kind of mentioned in the Zoom calls that we initially had with you through the Canucks uh, was Quinn Hughes. He's a guy that you've probably watched a lot. Uh, what is it about his game that you like, and are there any things that you'd like to try and take away from him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the most exciting player um, I've ever seen. So, I mean, just every single night he's got something new to bring to the table and you know, I think it's just his hockey sense and, um, you know, ability to make plays. He has, he has very little risk in his game. So, you know, that's something I try to take away. He's, you know, he's actually a really simple, um, he makes a lot of simple plays, which, you know, everyone knows how he makes some special plays and, you know, some sick plays. So, um, but watching him, he's actually, he makes a lot of simple plays and that's something that I, I try to take away and, you know, simple plays and then that leads to you to use your skill so um instead of just you got to wait for the opportunity to use your skill so that's something i take away from him and you know he's such a special player and um yeah i think his hockey sense is his edge work his his skating is special and um you know he's he's really fun to watch and i always throw on the playoff games and you know, it's kind of late for me to watch the Vancouver game, so I usually just watch, like, the replay or, um, you know, try to find video on them. Like, it shifts for the game. So, um, yeah, to be able to learn from him was is awesome. 
Yeah, no doubt. And it's funny because um, you're in a similar situation with a fellow Canucks draft pick who went right after you, Jackson Coons. And he's a guy who became a Canucks fan after watching two guys come out of North Dakota, which is the state that he's from, uh, in Troy Stetcher and Brock Besser. And now we have a similar spot with you, uh, two guys from Michigan that came out in Quinn Hughes and Tyler Mott. Yeah. Uh, so were you much of a Canucks fan, I guess, before even you got drafted by the team? Yeah, actually, um, they were my favorite team, um, you know, the past, say three or four years um you know there's just such a young team and they're really exciting to watch with you know with Pedersen and Besser and Hughes and you know all those great players so um you know I was I was rooting for them um for the playoffs and you know I that was my team to win it all and I was rooting them on every night so you know to be able to be drafted by by that team is really something special and really made me jump out of my seat when I got drafted so um yeah I'm very lucky and um yeah there's, there's such a great team to watch no doubt aside from maybe getting picked around earlier it doesn't sound like it could have gone any better for you <laughs> no no it was great that's awesome. And and something that you mentioned about when you were talking about Quinn Hughes's play was, you know, he does make a lot of those good simple plays, but when something opens up and you kind of have to use your skill, it's there. And from watching the United States National Team Development Program over the past couple of years, that that seems to be something that you guys kind of like fall into with that mantra like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of skilled plays and a lot of goals come out of it. We all see all the highlights, but when you're actually watching all the games, like it seems like you guys do try and play somewhat of a simple game and then kind of exploit the openings when they're there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, everyone sees the the highlight reels and the the nice plays, but if you watch the whole game, it's a lot of it's a lot of structure, simple plays, and I think that's how you have to play um, in order to win. And you know, your skill is always going to be there, so to be able to make the simple plays and you know grind a team down and um, wait for the opportunity, you know, you make that skill play and get a goal off of it or something. But I mean, you can't do that every single shift. Um, you know, it starts in the D zone, simple plays out of there, and uh, you kind of let the offense come from that and let your offensive swagger take over. And um, I think that's something special that, that Quinn does, and um, that's actually something I, ch- I tried to learn about um, from my defensive coach at USA, who also coached Quinn and um, Nick Four. So um, a lot of it was just teach me how to how to play simple and you know, wait for the opportunity to, for my offense to take over and, uh, you know, watching some clips on Quinn um, at the program and uh, after practice or something uh, really taught me how to do that. Jacob, where were you when you found out you got drafted and who was the first person you called when you found out? Um, yeah, so I was with my family um, when I got drafted. Um, you know, I hugged, hugged all of them, my immediate family, my grandparents were there, so um, you know, it was really nice um, to have those guys there by my side. Um, you know, my first call was um, to my my advisor and was thanking him for everything. He's, you know, he's been with me since, um, you know, I was just starting. Um, he, he actually was with me pretty early and helped me out. Not he, not as an advisor, but like, um, he I kind of live by him, so. Um, he always, I grew up with him around the rink and helping me out and, um, you know, I owe a lot to him. Um, so yeah, he was the first call I made. That's awesome to hear. And I, I want to kind of close out the Michigan talk with one thing because 
when I watch the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, the Michigan State University is my team. Um, so I'm curious, as a Michigan guy, can you break down that rivalry for people a little bit? Um, and you going to Michigan, like, do you automatically hate Michigan State now or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always hated them. I've, you know, <laughs> that rivalry, it's huge. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't own any, any uh, you know, I try not to wear a lot of green around the house so <laughs> or to the rink. And, um, yeah, it's it's a huge deal here. Um, you know, I mean, you got buddies on the other team, but when it comes down to it, you're, you're not buddies anymore. And, you know, once the puck drops here, it's game on. And, um, you know, in every single sport, it's, it's something special. I, I think it's one of the best rivalries in, in all the sports. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to be a part of that. That's that's one of them for sure. And the other one is kind of on the ice with Ohio State. It was uh, something that I talked to Quinn about earlier this year in a Zoom call and uh, might have been the hardest we've seen Quinn Hughes laugh in a while, to be honest, um, when I mentioned that how quiet the Ohio State crowd is sometimes. So what's that rivalry looking like for you? Is that the big one for Michigan? Yeah, that is that is a big one. That one tends to be a little more scrappy than any other. So, uh, yeah, there's just a secret hate there. And, um yeah, we get pretty into it. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fights and stuff. So, <laughs> so that's what's fun about it. No doubt. And I, I'm curious because looking at that United States national team that you were on this year, um, and it, I think I asked you this actually on the Zoom. But what was like the, the one big thing that you took away? I think I asked you because I mentioned that you guys are like brothers on that team. That's something that I've heard a lot yeah. of you guys talk about. Um, but like, just curious now that you kind of look away from that as you're moving on to Michigan, what's like the one big takeaway that you really got from there that you just, you don't think you'd get from anywhere else? Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but like the daily compete, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're gone from your billet house from, you know, six thirty in the morning until six or seven at night. And, you know, it's a constant grind and, you know, you got two hour skates, hour and a half lifts, you know, you got recovery, you got study halls, you got all this. And I think it, it really gets you prepared for the next level. And, mm. um, you know, like they treat you like professionals. And, um, I think, I mean, we always say come in as boys and leave as men. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a constant grind and, um, you just really got to take advantage of, you know, every single day and, um, you know, stay in the shooting room or, um, get that proper recovery in. Um, I think that's really important to do the little things when, when you have all the resources. Um, I think we did a great job of that, just taking advantage of all the resources we had and um, to get better. So I think just getting better every single day and, you know, finding that one thing that, that you need to work on or stay after practice and work on it or stuff like that. I think, um, you know, do video with coach after practice or, you know, just the little things every single day, and you know that's our chance to get better than than the other people. And I think it really sets you up for for college in the next level. Um, you know, like I said, you come out of there as men and professionals. So absolutely, uh, I think it's it's a great program, no doubt. And I think it's it's something like we're in Vancouver here. A lot of us cover the WHL or the BCHL or some of these major junior leagues, uh, and we know how players get into there. They get into the WHL draft and they get drafted. But for for us that don't really know, like how does that selection go? That when you get picked to go to the United States national team, like 
what is it like to get into that program? Like, is it something that as a young kid you're looking towards or looking forward to? And then is it like a call that you get or is it something like you're sending in applications? Like, how does it really work? Cause we don't really hear about that much up here. Yeah. So usually there's a, there's a camp, um, every summer. Um, I think starting when you're like, uh, 13 or 14, um, there's like a, a camp where you get invited to, um, you know, the best players in the U S or anyone from the U S. So you get together together and do a, you know, a week camp, um, every single summer. And then, then there's the top 40 camp. Um, that's, that's the real tryout, um, for the USA team. And that's the top 40 kids in, in the U S um, come together and, you know, play a series of games and practices and workouts and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely some, something that everyone looks forward to. And, uh, I mean, you get a chance to represent your country. So, um, you know, you got to take pride in it. And, um, you know, it really motivates you to make the team. And, um, yeah, I think uh, we had a lot of good good group of guys. And, um, yeah, it all worked out in the end. And, um, you know, we all competed to get there. And uh, we worked really hard to get there. So, um, you know, I have the best workers and um, put together and the best players um, together in a group. Um, you know, it made the team really special. No doubt. That's awesome. And I, I look at the team, the, the U17 team last year, graduating to the U18 team now. Um, and we see Quinn Hughes, obviously, in the NHL, Jack Hughes in the NHL, and their youngest brother, Luke. I believe he's a Michigan commit, right? Yes, he is. And uh, so we see the size of Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes. Not the biggest guys, but I did see a roster come out saying that Luke Luke Hughes is at six foot two. Can you confirm this or not? Uh, yeah, I actually trained with him this summer um, at USA Arena and uh, skated with him this summer. So yeah, he's he's gotten pretty tall and <laughs> um, put on a lot of a lot of muscle. So yeah, that's good. Must be drinking all the milk from uh, Jack and Quinn, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. On the topic of Luke Hughes, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but the Hughes brothers, there was a little mini documentary done. I'm not sure if it was just in Canada, but maybe maybe you've seen it. And uh, I think Luke was like 15 or 16 at the time, and they're being interviewed, all three of them, and they're on the couch. And Luke, uh, Luke's asked a question. He's at 16 years old. He's like, yeah, you know, hockey's a business. And then Jack and Quinn absolutely ripped into him for that one. They were having a good laugh about that one. So I'm curious if you've seen that clip. And if so, if your teammates down there are ripping him into it as well. I've actually, I've not seen that clip, but... <laughs> You know, I feel if the boys got a hold of that, that's something they'd rip them about. We're gonna we're gonna fire that off to you right after this interview for sure. <laughs> hey Jake, that's now that you're funny, making yeah. uh, making an adjustment to NCAA hockey, you mentioned you've been able to skate a little bit with it. Uh, what's it just been like? You been like for the past uh, little bit here now that you've been on the ice? Because I think last year, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you got to actually play against Michigan, right? Yes, I did. So I, I heard that you were actually getting chirped pretty loud from the crowd, the Michigan crowd, in a fun way uh, from what I heard. But what's it like now to actually be skating with the university? Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, you know, just stepping on that ice is, you know, it's a dream come true. And, you know, when we played them, um, you know, there was a sold-out crowd. And, um, yeah, it gave me chills. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a big eye-opener. And, um yeah, it was, they have such a great fan base, and um, to be able to play them was definitely the highlight, one of the highlights of my year. So, 
Um, yeah, so right now we're just, you know, seeing six times a week um, as a team. Um, so, I mean, it's been good to compete with everyone. And um, I think our compete level has been really good and uh, had a lot of smaller games. And, um, you know, it's been really fun um, to get to know the guys and, um, especially during this tough time, um, mm-hmm. I think it brings us together more. Um, we're because we're kind of just in like a little, um, little bubble in a way, uh, just you know, just hanging out with the team and stuff. So, um, it's been good to get to know the guys, and um, you know, workouts have been good. Um, I think we're at, we're going to be a really good team this year, and um, one of the top contenders for the national championship. I mean, that's exciting news to hear. And that's kind of where I wanted to ask you, like, going into it, um, how are you kind of looking at this season? You're obviously going to be coming in as a freshman. Like, what's your vibe going into it? Uh, and what are some goals that you might have set for this season? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, we've always come in at, at a young age, um, you know, being a freshman. Um, I think the biggest thing is just to be able to learn from the people there and, um, you know, pick up from the older guys and, um, you know, learn from them. I think we have a, a really good team that's filled with a lot of leaders and um, a lot of good players that I can learn from and um, kind of take away from their game. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm just really trying to develop this year and um, you know become a bigger, stronger player and um, you know just learn those little skills, those daily habits from from my teammates to, to become a better player and a better person. So. Um, I think it's great that I get to learn from them. And, I mean, looking at it, is there something that you think your game's going to fit nicely in the NCAA or maybe actually, like, in the program? Like, is there something that coaches have said that, you know, they like the way that you're a two-way guy or do they want you to focus more on defense or offense? Or what part of your game do you think is going to fit nicely with Michigan? Yeah, I think uh, just my two-way game. Um, You know, I think uh, in Michigan uh, they're really, really good defensively team um you know it's defense first um and then offense and i think that i can bring a lot to the table offensively and um but yeah just that two-way defender um you know i think uh something i i need to work on a little more would be probably the defensive side of my game um you know playing against these older stronger kids um that's definitely something i want to work on to you know uh get bigger and stronger against these guys and um, you know, that's something the older guys can help me with and um something I can learn from them is um you know, how to how to defend harder and better and mm-hmm. um you know, I think the offense will come from there and that's something that is really special on our team is um our offensive play and uh we got a lot of skilled guys and um you know, a lot of two way guys that, that can do do a lot of damage in all of them. So I think that's that's something that is really good about our team. No doubt. And the program that you come out of is awesome because you actually get to defend against these universities in these games that you've played against. So you kind of know what you're getting into a little bit, I guess. Eh? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, it was great to be able to play those universities and colleges. And, you know, it kind of it got me it got me ready for college and a little more comfortable um, with my game against them. So, um, you know, it was a big adjustment at the start. Uh, I faced a lot of adversity. Um, you know, going in at 17 and playing against colleges is, is a big adjustment, but, um, I feel really comfortable coming into the season, um, going up against the, the older and stronger, uh, people.
Absolutely, man. Hell yeah, that's what we like to hear. Um, uh, yeah. I guess as we're kind of closing out here, Jake, we're wondering if we can throw some some rapid fire questions at you just to get some off ice fun stuff here. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm gonna go first one. Favorite sweet cereal? Um, cinnamon toast crunch. Excellent choice. That's Excellent choice. choice. You know, <laughs> we have. I don't know if they have it down there, but there's cinnamon toast churros. Uh, that you can get here, and they're really good. Like they're shaped like a churro, and it's like really small, but they're a cereal, and it's so good. I don't know if have you really? tried that? Yeah. No, I have not. Fantastic. That okay, I, I have some in the cupboard. <laughs> I'll keep them here for you when you get to prospects camp. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, going from there, favorite food, and then let's go with the dinner food on this one. Unless you like breakfast for dinner, you can go that route if you want. No, I like pasta and chicken. Nice. Okay, good. My co-host is Italian. He loves to hear that. That's, yeah, these are all really good, really good options so far. So, okay, okay. Your favorite drink, non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic. Your favorite drink? Um, I would say BioSteel. Wow, good answer. Okay, we'll send him an email for <laughs> you. Get you. Yeah, deal. holy cow, get you that sponsorship. <laughs> right on. Good deal. Let's. Uh, we'll move on. Video games. Are you a video game guy? Do you have a favorite? Um. Yeah, I like NFL Twenty. That's okay. that's something I I really like to play. Are you on the war zone at all? Um, I I've played it before. I'm not a big video game guy, but um, yeah, my brother plays it, so uh, I hopped on a few times with him. Yeah, we're not very good at it, but we play it like every night almost. <laughs> Me and Faber, we're not very good at it, but we like to think we are. Yeah, some kids on the team play it, so I'll have to get on that. No doubt. Okay, so moving from video games to board games. Do you have a favorite board game? Um. Yeah, I like Monopoly. Good one. How many fights has the family gotten into playing Monopoly? That's our follow-up on that one. <laughs> uh, not so many big ones. Oh, actually, <laughs> apples to apples. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's heated. a good one. That gets pretty heated. But, yeah, that's a good one. That's a funny one. Then uh, this one's an interesting one for me because I'm 27 years old. My co-host is 20, so he's a similar age for you. But what were some of your favorite childhood TV shows growing up? Um, I would say... Like as a little little kid, I'd say Backyardigan. Yes, um, I have no idea. Uh, that's a great show. <laughs> it's a great show. Yeah, um, man, that's a while back. How about uh, a little older? Like if you're if you're going like Disney Channel age, were you Disney or Nickelodeon? I was Disney. Um, I would say maybe like an Austin Valley. Yeah, yeah, that works. I mean. That's all I can really think of. <laughs> and then now, you know, now, what are you uh, what are you binging on Netflix? What's your go to on Netflix? Uh, actually, my my two roommates and I, uh, Bordello and Veneers, are binge watching Arrow. Okay. Yeah, um, but I'm a huge fan of The Office. Good one. Yes, yes, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we in the media had a lot of fun with the NHL players heading into the bubble. There was a lot of discussion about Gossip Girl. Uh, I guess that's something that Quinn and Petey were kind of getting into at the time uh, because Brock <laughs> Besser kind of set him up with that. I'm wondering, do you have like a guilty pleasure TV show, maybe similar to a Gossip Girl? Um, no. I mean, <laughs> I've only, I haven't watched many yeah, TV shows, so yeah. Right on. And then aside from hockey, um, I know I feel like it might be football since you're a Michigan guy, but what's the other sport that you like to watch? Um, yeah, I like to watch football. Um, I mean, basketball, I like watching the highlights and stuff. Um, yeah, I just say those two. All right. Favorite chocolate bar? Uh, I don't like chocolate, and I don't like 
week. So, <laughs> wow, you're really going for that BioSteel sponsorship. These are really good answers. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I'm not a big candy guy. Good stuff. All right, Jake. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on the Canucks conversation. Uh, I'm sure fans are going to love to hear what uh, what you have to say here on the show. Um, and I know you've kind of tweeted out and put out some Instagram posts about it, but if you want to just close out maybe something that you wanted to say to all of Canucks Nation uh, and what it means for you to be drafted by this team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such an honor. It's, it's a great organization, and you know, I'm super excited and pumped to get started with them. And um yeah, I feel like I got a lot to bring to the table, and you know, I've heard their fan base is is amazing, and I can't wait to get to get to know everyone a lot more. Yeah, absolutely, a little bit crazy, and uh, I'm sure you'll see that in a little bit here. But uh, yeah, I most, love that. Yeah. Mostly positive. So, Jake, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, man. Uh, I hope people enjoy this conversation, and it's going to be a lot of fun following you next year in Michigan, man. We wish you all the best luck. Yeah, thank you so much. And a massive thank you to Jacob Truscott, who I have since sent that video of Luke Hughes to, by the way, uh, which I think he was he was pretty excited to see that video and share it with his teammates. Hasn't uh, hasn't opened it yet, but uh, I'm sure he will soon, and I'm sure he's going to really enjoy it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Great kid, man. That was, that was a fun conversation. Uh, yeah, wishing him all the best. going to be fun to follow him at Michigan this year. That's, that's a big school, man. A lot of good players come out of that school. It's a great... Great spot, and to hear that he's going to Michigan after coming from uh, the United States National Team Development Program, like, like where else would you want to get a player from? Exactly, like, he's going to learn from some of the best coaches in the NCAA at Michigan. He just learned from some of the best players in America at his age and best coaches that he could have with the US ND. NTDP, sure. Which is, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, you nailed it. Actually, nailed it. Actually, yeah, I didn't even read it in front of me. But yeah, like he's coming out of a program that's teaching him how to be a good teammate, a good hockey player, and then hopefully a good man out of it. So we'll see how he comes uh, out of Michigan. It's cool to hear that he's already there. You know, skating with the team and what it's like. It's, I mean, there's a Michigan kid. This is his goal his whole life. And to hear that he was a Canucks fan for the past couple of years, kind of cool. Like he he laughed about it pretty hard when we mentioned like could it have gone any better for you? And maybe if he was drafted around earlier in a fourth round pick, like I said before the in the interview. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it, it was pretty cool uh, to hear that he was a Canucks fan and he was just jacked up when uh, when the Canucks drafted him. So good kid. Uh, we'll keep in contact with him as the season goes on as well. Well, we got to get him that BioSteel sponsorship. Oh man, yeah, we were pushing for that. To see your or... favorite drink is BioSteel? Wow. Have you ever had a BioSteel? No, I haven't. I haven't either. I thought it was just an urban myth. I always just seen commercials for it. I've never seen it in a store. Isn't it like a powder? I don't know. I feel like it's like a vitamin water. Let's go bi- Patreon episode, BioSteel. We drink BioSteel for yeah, the first time. People can't wait for that. The last Patreon thing, you took a like, half sip of everything to try it. <laughs> so I'll drink the full bottle of BioSteel, and you can have the, the last couple drops of it, each bottle. Love it. Perfect. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, guys, we're going to keep you posted. Every breaking news piece, Chris and I are committed to getting these emergency combos out. The last one we did was Tyler Toffoli traded to the Vancouver Canucks. So maybe the next one we do will be Tyler Toffoli circles back and comes to the Canucks. I love that people are saying circles back as the only only way to describe coming yeah, back to circle back so season funny. right circle now. Circle back maybe. But uh yeah, we like we wanted to do I feel like we we had some good conversations in both the interviews and it was nice to get the Jacob interview out. Um but we we're not going to dive into too much stuff right now cuz it's Friday afternoon. I st- like the Canucks can't be done, right? No. And that's what we're going with right now with the podcast. Podcast ends up dating itself pretty hard. So I don't think we did, there's too much here that is going to no. date itself. 
Uh, aside from if they go out and sign Pitcher Angelo or something, then like our right side talk at the start of the episode is going to be a little null and void at yeah. that point. But um, no, like, yeah, we're, we're going to come with the emergency stuff next week. We got a fun interview planned for next week as long as everything goes through. Um, I think you guys are going to love that one. I really hope that uh, that happens. We, we have a time, we have a spot, but these things fall through sometimes. But they do. this is another massive one uh, for the show. So if that happens, very excited to get it out to you. Heck, we got that interview done. It might even come out as an emergency podcast because it's a cool interview. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, that's all I got. Quads. Well, prospect report. I'll give a quick one. Sure. Quick one. It's a segment now. This is what we're going to. All know, right, let's go. Let's we're going to bring on a sponsor to sponsor this segment. It's the only <laughs> segment the show is, I think, ever. Well, no. Riding the bus. Corey Hergott. Yep. I'm going to talk to Corey here soon. I know he's getting back into it, man. I tell you, really? Corey's got the itch. Okay. He's got the itch. He's covering his comments again. Um, but yeah, the prospects report. Vasily Podkolzin actually was on paper to be on the first line today in SKA. First line playing with Linden Vay. He played a lot of minutes with Linden Vay, but the team had a lot of power plays and they didn't use him on the power play at all. So he actually ended up being 11th out of the forwards in minutes, even though mm-hmm. on paper he was a first line guy. So, you know, you don't really like to see that. He was on the third forward pairing killing penalties. But like I said, he only plays about 11, I think maybe 12 minutes. Um, so not a great showing from him. Triamkin didn't look very good today. Hmm. Uh, played, didn't play first line minutes, first pairing minutes anymore. He's on the second pairing. Oh, um, still killing penalties. First group, no power play time, but he was the second pairing uh, for the first time I think all season. Actually, Jeez. still ended up playing just over twenty minutes, but not a good game for Triamkin um, this morning. And unfortunately, uh, Yoni Yermo, I did not get a finished Liga stream this morning. Um, the site that I used did not have it available. Uh, so that was unfortunate. I was really looking forward to watching him, but I didn't miss much. He played two minutes and 34 seconds. So uh, he was the seventh defenseman in the game today. Uh, but I mean, that's that's fine. He's still a guy who just recently got drafted. He's not going to get a ton of time in Liga right off the bat. There was like, a, I'm not going to get into all of it. There's like a ton of prospects that played today. Like Kosmar played today. Manukian played to get played today uh plastic Whoa. played today sorry all these names are like my tongue just stuck to the top of my mouth for a second there but uh yeah some huglander stuff coming this weekend um i had to get my screen recorder fixed the one that i was using stopped working because i had 700 saved recordings and i think it just like glitched the system uh so i have to like switch screen recorders because the one has way too much so uh that's basically all i got for a prospects report quads i'll let you uh close out the episode unless you're looking at breaking news over there no, it's just Taj tweeting about Petrangelo. <laughs> but Petrangelo is not a Canuck yet. So we'll see. That'll be a breaking episode. Anyways, this has been a very fun episode, my friend. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli, and you have been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.